0: Hey everybody and welcome to another edition of the Dave Pash podcast. I'm your host ESPN and Arizona Cardinals play-by-play announcer Dave Pash. My guest this week is longtime NBA player and current NBA broadcaster Richard Jefferson. With the NBA season starting this week, thought it was a great chance to catch up with Richard talk about the season, talk about his former teammate LeBron James going into year 21 in the NBA. We'll get Richard's thoughts on the Phoenix Suns, on the Milwaukee Bucks after the Damian Lillard trade. We'll talk broadcasting and we'll also talk about the Arizona Cardinals and get Richard's advice to a team like the Cardinals in a season of transition with a new GM, a new coach, a lot of new players trying to stay positive positive in order to take that next step to become a Super Bowl contender.
1: It has to start with you individually and saying, it's like, it doesn't matter. I need to train like it, like we're 12-0. and 0. I need to train like we're 0-12. There should be no difference. And that's the trick as a professional athlete. Train like you're getting ready for the Super Bowl every single week.
0: We'll also share some Bill Walton stories, Richard's best friend is Bill's son, Luke, and talk about whether Richard considers himself a Phoenix guy He grew up here, went to Moon Valley High School, or an L.A. guy where he was born and currently resides. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Sign up today with BetMGM, the official partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Use code CARDS1000 And get back up to $1,000 in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions, 21 years of age or older to wager. Arizona only, new customer offer. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. All right, now our conversation with one of the best dudes in broadcasting, just a great guy, fun guy to be around, great personality, and obviously was a terrific player, 17 years in the NBA, and now a broadcaster with ESPN, Richard Jefferson. So, Richard, I know you don't like to be called RJ. Richard, (laughs) first things first. I feel like we are far enough along in our professional and personal relationship that I have an idea when you're being sarcastic and when you're not being sarcastic. How long does it normally take people to kind of figure you out?
1: Uh, Honestly, it it varies because it's just I live on that line, similar to our our friend JJ uh, Reddit. I live on, I live on that line and then even when I'm some, I'm being sarcastic, I'm kind of like, ah, oh, no, you know, I'm just kidding. Or sometimes when I'm. I'm serious. People have a little bit of they way to see being serious. But, no, it varies. It varies on the subject. Sometimes, you know, when people think, oh, no, no, he's just kidding. You know, I like the pile. And I was like, what do you mean kidding? I'm, I'm being very serious. And then everyone gets confused. So that's the realm I like to live in with a lot of uncertainty in any conversation that I'm involved in.
0: How beneficial do you think that was to the many NBA teams that you played on, having somebody on a team that if you needed to lighten the mood, you could, but obviously you're a good enough player, Where if you had to be serious and go out and ball, you would do that too.
1: Well, to to be honest, like it's weird when I'm between those lines. Like I don't talk trash to other players. I would only talk trash to my teammates. Uh, So it's it's one of those things that like I'm a competitor first and a sarcastic person second. Sometimes those lines can blur a little bit. But when it's time to win, time to compete, like that's my favorite. The only thing I love be, more than being sarcastic is competing. So there wasn't that much. When there was a the right time, when the coaches would leave, that's when the sarcasm would come. But you don't want to under, undercut a coach with your level of sarcasm, even if it is funny.
0: And I want to get to winning the championship in 16 and talking about the NBA season because obviously it starts this week. But you're born in L.A., you lived in Phoenix, you went to Moon Valley High School, you live in LA now. Are you an LA guy or a Phoenix
1: guy? Well, see, that's where I think only true West Coasters understand. You can when they say you're from the West Coast, uh, that means you bounced around the West Coast. And and yes, Arizona's not on the coast, but we all know that Arizona is a suburb of California. Uh so no, it, it's tough. Like I don't I, I probably claim more Arizona uh at the end of the day went to university of arizona grew up there learned how to play basketball there but i was born in la my family's all from my mom my dad my grandmother all of my cousins live in la uh so it's it's tough i claim i claim arizona but i don't deny my la roots so you're a rams fan though correct yes yes now understand the timing of this as, as a person that i know studies history when I showed up in uh, in Arizona in 1988-89, the Cardinals had a streak of about 12 years where they were the worst football team in the world, and I mean including college. And so I, you know, I grew up watching. You know, I like John Elway; he was my favorite player. Then you had uh, my dad from Philly, so I grew up with the Keith Byers, Randall Cunningham, Reggie White, Ricky, w- like that crew of Philly. Like that was my dad watching every single Sunday. So. I like the Eagles, but the minute they got a team to LA, I have two little boys now, one named Phoenix, one named Rich. My whole thing was like the minute we get a team to LA, now that I'm living here, that's our team. Rams were first, jumped full bandwagon in, glad that they're back. And you know, now we're Rams supporters, went to the Super Bowl, all that stuff. So I'm really indoctrinating my kids in Ram culture, if you will.
0: So what does it take to convert you? Do we have to, you know, beat the Rams? uh do we have to sweep the rams do we have to make the playoffs because the cardinals have made the playoffs they've been in a super bowl they've done all the things the rams did except win the championship which the rams did a couple years ago
1: well this is the thing i don't i don't hate the cardinals i'm just not a fan of the cardinals all my friends that i grew up with that are arizona guys they love the cardinals when the cardinals went to the super bowl chanting fry big cardinals fan so when they went to the Super Bowl, like I was rooting for the Cardinals. I don't dislike the Cardinals, but I also, as a loyal person myself, I can't not like a team for 10 years. And then all of a sudden, like, okay, they're okay. I'm a fan now. That's not how fandom works. And so since I never supported them when I showed up uh, in Arizona, I just I don't want to jump on the bandwagon. So I was like, hey, L.A. will be my team.
0: I know that Channing Frye played for the Suns. I didn't know he was a Cardinal fan. I mean, I know he lived in Phoenix before that, but I, I didn't know he was a Cardinal fan. We may have to get him on the pod now. Cause you guys, do you guys still have your pod together and how often do you guys do it?
1: We do it once a week. We do it pretty consistently. We are actually really excited. There's some things that are, that are uh, cooking up for this upcoming season that I think podcast fans are going to be excited about. There's some partnerships that we're working on. It'll probably be announced here in the next like week or two. Uh, but ultimately um, I, I, don't think that Channing is going to have anything to say about the Cardinals. He is, he's an air true Arizona Cardinal fan. So that means like when they're good, he's super, super into it. When they are the normal Arizona Cardinals, he's just so, so he's not living li- uh He's not a ride or die.
0: And it's road tripping podcast, right?
1: Yes, sir. Road Tripping Podcast, the original athlete podcast.
0: I was going to say, so no professional athlete, including J.J. Reddick, had a podcast before Richard Jefferson and Channing Frye, right? While you no, guys were currently be... playing.
1: Well, 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 we were the first ones to do it in season. We were the first ones to do it like on a team. Like J.J. had a podcast. Other athletes had podcasts. A lot of them were interview-based. But we were the first ones that decided, like, maybe we should do this in season. So when you see Draymond, when you see Pat Bev, when you see – Paul George. When you see all of these athletes that are now doing it in season and discussing what's going on, um, we were the first one. We recorded on a plane in between. I think we had a game in we had a game in Boston and then maybe I don't remember Dallas or something. And we lost a nationally televised game in Boston. And we're like, hey, let's record a game. Let's record a podcast on the plane. So we're recording a podcast on a plane flying from uh, from one city to the next and drop it the next the next morning. And to me. I truly believe the, the the excitement that came from road tripping and I think the the positivity allowed for athletes to feel more comfortable telling their stories.
0: And what year was this the first year you guys did this?
1: Well, we did it after we won the championship and then we did it in we did at least I think our first one was in the January February of the the following season. Uh we ended up losing in the finals to um we ended up losing in the finals to the Golden State Warriors that year. Uh, but yeah, we did it through the whole. We stopped. We stopped during the finals. We did it a little bit during the postseason. We stopped during the finals as to not have any any conversation about distraction. Yeah. So
0: 2016, you win the championship. Um, you're mm-hmm. part of a great team, the greatest team in probably Cleveland sports history. The Cardinals play the Browns next week, and given what the Warriors had accomplished that year, their greatest regular season team maybe ever, right, at least based on record. Um, How gratifying was that for you, given also, Richard, I mean, you played 17 years. You had already been in the league for almost 15 when you guys won it in 2016. Uh, To be part of that team with great players like LeBron James um, and obviously you had Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving and yourself and a lot of good role players, Uh, how gratifying was that title for you?
1: Well, look, I... I I think both of us are sports historians and, you know, I don't like to make a claim. I just like to say that I believe that that was, um, I I think if you were to point to two championships, I think you would look at the 72 win bulls because they had a perfect season. They broke the record and then they won a championship. I think for us, I think they had the most perfect season of all time. Um, But I think for us, I think it was the best championship ever won. Uh, we, you know, we don't have to go all miracle, you know, on ice. We don't have to go do that. But the fact that we were playing against the two time defending champion or the, the, the two time defending MVP, the first unanimous MVP, the, the regular season champ. Um, I, I think going through that and then to do it in the manner in which we did being down 3-1 and being the first team to ever do it. I think when you, when you tally all of the, The things that that came about from that series, I I I beg someone to give me a better NBA Finals championship.
0: And the fact that you know the Draymond Green kick, um, he was suspended for a game, but I don't think that takes away at all from what you guys did. I know there's some people that feel that it does, but you you guys won that championship.
1: No, no, 100 percent. And make no mistake, like Kevin Love didn't get to play in two of those games. Right. Like we make it seem like and again, I know Kevin Love, that might not have been the the best series like matchup wise for him. But the fact that that he missed actually, excuse me, he missed game three, uh, missed game three and then came off the bench in game four. So, yeah, we had a potential future Hall of Famer, a starter who, you know, he was an all star that year. So we had an all star miss a game because the concussion protocol Uh, So, and, and this is the thing, you know, you as a football guy, anytime a kicker misses a kick, you go, it doesn't come down to that one play. It doesn't come down to that one play. There were turnovers. There was this. Yes, we would have liked to have that. And so I stand by that that doesn't come like the whole championship doesn't come doesn't come down to draymond missing one game right you can say momentum you can say this but that was a 73 win team that all the things that those guys had accomplished and defending champions so to be up three one lose draymond for a game now you're up three two so now you got two more chances to win one and they hadn't lost three games in a row maybe and i think it was close to two years so um for me it's like yes was that a part of the storyline yes but don't forget if you go back, Draymond, you know, having the incidents that he had in round one, having the incidents that he had in the conference finals, when you get suspended for those things, one, typically there's a conversation with the commissioner before you get to that spot, which there was after the Stephen Adams situation, there was a conversation. And then when it happens again, at that point in time. It's a cumulative thing. So um, you making that mistake, then it really goes back to first round, second round, third round, and then all of a sudden you're in a spot. And for a team that was the defending champion, if you don't have that in my in your brain, I got to watch my flagrants, I got to watch my technicals, because it's April 17th and I'm trying to play till June 20th. So those are the things that I think uh, you know people want to discuss Draymond, and I will not sit up here and say Draymond missing that one game didn't give us a little bit of a boost, but to say that that was a deciding factor when he played two more games after that and was probably well, – no, he was the best player probably on the floor if you go look at that game seven. So, like, when you look at game seven and Draymond has that first half and knocking down three, there's a high probability he would have been finals MVP – if it wasn't for – if they would have won the series. So I think some people get lost in the soft. They focus on that and make it seem like Draymond never recovered or their team never recovered, and that was the deciding factor.
0: So your former teammate and close friend LeBron James is in year 21. Uh, What he's doing is amazing. There's only a handful of guys that have made it this far, and no one has ever played at his age with his mileage all the games, all the playoff games – the Team USA games, no one has, has played at the level he's playing in the history of basketball um, at this age. Uh, first of all, is there something about LeBron James that the public doesn't know? He, he is pretty uh, – he's out there. I and mean, he's doing a lot of different things. He's very vocal on social media, does a lot of commercials, does movies. But is there something about his personality or just him as a teammate that people should know that, that they don't know about him?
1: Um, I I think, okay, so I think that there are things that people know. Um, I'll give you my perception of of, of things. I I, I think with him, I think he's a lot more vulnerable with his teammates um, than uh, people probably understand. He's a very emotional person. We've seen that with his reactions on the court. I'm a very expressive person. And so LeBron, you know, just like a lot of teammates, he could have – like I'll never forget he, you know, we had a game and maybe we lost and we were all kind of arguing. And then, you know, we all go meet up at dinner that night and, and he comes, guys, my bad. I'm sorry, man. I, I, I'm, I know, I know I got frustrated. I apologize. And it's like, The best player in the world maybe the best player ever is sitting here apologizing to channing and i because he got a little frustrated and we're like bro we get it everything's going to be your fault everything is either you like the positive you negative you so i understand why that is an extreme amount of pressure so for you to get frustrated one day don't ever apologize as long as it's within the place as long as it's within the framework of like competitiveness which he never does. He never leaves the respectful, competitive side. That is ne- something that we have never seen from LeBron. From high school to college, y- yeah, he's a competitor, but you never see, the- see it leave the respectful side, in my opinion. Um, and that doesn't mean things don't happen. Doesn't mean trash doesn't talk. But I think I don't think people understand how much he truly cares about his teammates. I don't think he truly you people understand how much he's invested in them on the court, off the court. Like when I, me and Channing launched the podcast. He had been, he came on it four or five times now without him coming on, he knows his value. He knows what he does. And so those are the things that you're like, Hey, I appreciate you doing this because you don't have to, because a lot of guys in those positions are often just trying to people try and get things from them. Like when was the last time you saw Michael Jordan sit on a podcast? Like these guys typically shy away from some of the requests that come to them. Um, But ultimately I think he cares about people he cares about his family and he cares about his teammates on a level that I don't think people fully understand. You want to be critical of Michael Jordan versus Jordan R versus LeBron, you want to do all of that stuff? Fine. At the end of the day, you know you ask anybody that really deals with him at their core, and you're like, this man just cares. The game, the respect, the family, the teammates, like he does care about those things at a level that I don't think people understand.
0: So, Rich, what should we honestly expect from him in year 21? He He's had injuries that he's played through. I think the injury that he had last year, a lot of guys are sitting out um, and not playing. He, he played through it. He's already got Kareem's record. He's the all-time leading scorer. Um, I know he wants to play in the league when Bronny's in the league. Bronny's at USC. We don't know yet whether Bronny's going to play after... Uh, the unfortunate, scary incident that happened a couple months ago. It sounds like Bronny's okay. You would know more about that than me, but you know, I'm going to have a lot of USC games, and I certainly hope that he's playing because that means that he's healthy and doing well. Um, what what should we realistically expect from LeBron and the Lakers here uh, in year 21 for James?
1: Well, like what we should expect and what I hope happens. I hope this is the year where he becomes the second best player on the team. He'll still always be the most important. Player, uh in my opinion, and look, the ratings say that. As you know, we work in this in this industry. The ratings say he is the most important player in the NBA. Yeah, that's what just the ratings say. Uh, I still believe he's the most important, but I think for him to win a, net, a championship, Anthony Davis has to ascend to really what Anthony Davis was looking like over the postseason. Anthony Davis, if he ascends to being the best player on the team, and LeBron's just the most important, I think that takes pressure off him. Like. He needs to find, and I know this might sound crazy, he needs to find his Magic Johnson and allow him to be Kareem, if that makes sense. Kareem, at the end of his career, was able to prolong his career because he had a little bit of the pressure taking off in him. And Magic wanted that pressure. Magic owned that pressure and said, I got this. Do I know if Anthony Davis is that guy? I hope. I think he has the talent and the ability, but... I think in year 20, I think you could compare it. I think, I'm not sure. I think Kareem won a championship in 1819 was our 1819 was his last like year winning a championship. Um, I, I think to me, that's kind of the formula if you look at it. Kareem was still great, but to say we need you to be dominant for 82 and through a postseason run. That's that's not that's not realistic. Same with Tim Duncan winning championships later in his career. Say what you want. He wasn't the best player on his team, but he was by far the most important player on that San Antonio team. But he had other guys around him that were raising their levels. Kawhi, Danny Green, Tony Manu. All of those guys were a little bit older, but Kawhi raised his level and took so much pressure off him and allowed him just to be that important cog.
0: I did uh, game six of the Phoenix-Denver series last year, that just disastrous loss at home for the Suns in the playoffs. And I had a, a former coach tell me that they were a little concerned watching Kevin Durant that you know, maybe he had lost a step because of all the injuries, that they're starting to catch up to him. And you know he's been in the league since he was 18, 19 years old. Obviously, this is a big year with Beal coming over. They make the eight-and-trade. They bring in Nurkic. Do you see the Suns as a team to beat, the team to beat, or are you concerned at all with either the makeup of the team or all the damage that Durant has had to endure physically over the years?
1: um i look i I, I think I think Durant has shown us, like yeah, guys are going to sprain their ankles. Guys, you know, obviously had the Achilles injury and then the following year or so. Um, He was primarily healthy. Now he's had some injuries. And when players like that get older, instead of, hey, you can come back in seven games, we're probably going to keep you out for 10 because we want you to be fully healthy. Um, But I think I think Kevin Durant is entering into that space of his career. Well, yes, he can be the best player for 82 games, which you really want him to be is the best player for about 65, 60 games and then allow him to play that high level basketball going into the postseason. Once you get about 34, 35, you better have some help. And that's including Jordan, right? That's including Jordan. Even if you look at Larry bird and some of the things that he was accomplished, the roster that he had around him. but Michael Jordan had, you know, without Michael Jordan, like the bulls still went to the conference finals without Michael Jordan in that year that he was gone. So it's like when Jordan comes back and he's the best player in the world, one of the, you know, if not the greatest player of all time, when he enters, it's like he's got Scottie Pippen, he's got Tony Kukoc, he's got Dennis Rodman, and Steve, like he's got a loaded roster that he steps in and leads them to another level. And I think that you have to have a roster around you. And I think Phoenix has done a good job. Devin Booker's young. He should be eating up a ton of minutes in usage rate. Um, I think Bradley Beal is still in the, in the middle, you know, middle of his prime, in my opinion, even though he's in his 30s. I think those guys need to do the majority of the weight and then let Kevin Durant pick his spot. If you want to go win a championship, you know, that to me, and and the last thing I'll say about this, we talked about it on NBA today. Um, A lot of these teams win their championship in their second year together. The, the Lakers won their championship with Paul Gasol in their second year together, lost in the finals after the trade, won it. The Miami Heat lost in the conference finals when they got Shaq, the next year they won the championship. Obviously LeBron has won three championships in his new, uh when he arrived in places, he won his uh, championship in the second year in Miami, championship the second year at Cleveland, championship the second year in Lakers. A lot of times when you enter into these things, it can take a year. Maybe you got to go get one or two minimum contracts are vets that say, hey, I want to go there. So I think the, the Suns can win it this year. I think they will be very good this year. But if you ask me which version of the Suns being 100% healthy will be better this year's team or next year's team when they've had Frank Vogel for a full year, they're not teaching systems to those guys. When, when Bradley Beal and Devin Booker now been on a team for a full year and Kevin Durant. So, to me, we all look at it, oh, it's it's winner, you know, winner or it's the bus. We know that that's BS. So, when I look at these teams, I look at it from a space of, oh, this year they'll be very good. Next year, if healthy, have a chance to be great. That's the timetable because history has shown us that.
0: Good use of of BS. I mean, if this was JJ's pod, you guys would be. Uh, drinking champagne and dropping f-bombs so at least uh you know that you're on a clean nfl sponsored podcast here
1: yeah and jj was supposed to edit that stuff out man i think he's you know i think he he's setting me up
0: he must have still been drinking the champagne during the editing process most likely um i know you've talked about this ad nauseum and i, w- I want to get into your career because uh i've just it's been so much fun to watch and and, you know, call games with you and just kind of see your growth and maturation to becoming, I think, you know, one of the best analysts in basketball. And I can't wait to see what's next for you. Um, but I, I want to, you know, Damian Lillard, as I'm sure you guys, again, on NBA Today have talked about this over and over and over again. You're probably talking tired of talking about it. But Damian Lillard, who, by the way, still has to uh, fess up on a bet that he had on this podcast. He has not worn uh, the Kyler Murray jersey that the Cardinals sent him into a, into the building yet he needs to do that to for the bet that he lost uh, against uh, the Cardinals when the Cardinals beat the Raiders last year. Um, but that's All besides right. the point. I'm, I'm not holding a grudge or anything. But the trade to Milwaukee does that put the Bucks as the team to beat in the East, or is it Boston with Porzingis and Drew Holiday being added to that mix?
1: Now, I I would say this. One of the caveats that you see with these kind of championship teams brought together, it's like you remember uh, the Boston Celtics when they all got together that first year they won the championship. But I think one of the unexpected things that year was the emergence of Rondo. Who is this guard? There's ultimately going to be one of the best guards in the league for a decade. Um, So when you talk about bringing it all together, when I look at the Milwaukee Bucks, they got a brand-new coach, uh and griff who uh Adrian Griffin who I know very well, I think he's gonna do a good job. I think the Terry Stott situation, to me, that doesn't help because a lot of times when you get first year head coaches, you bring in a former head coach to kind of like just like, hey, this is the best way. Here's some advice. Like this is your team, but I'm just here as like a an elderly guidance individual. Um and so, you know, that to me is a little curious about how that's going to work out. But I stand by it. Can the Bucs win the championship this year? Yes. If they stay healthy and all the things, I think next year they will be the best version of their Now, Now, instead of thinking, hey, because you see this a lot of times, when, oh, hey, I was going to cut back to okay, hey, well, look, this is what – those conversations now start to be more – intuitive where you know what your team is thinking we'll keep doing football references like when you see Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey these things are not all drawn up plays when he goes, gets all these receptions and he does it it's not drawn up these guys have just been in the league together they understand when his teammate is oh he's looking for one guy and that's where I think that intuitiveness and and you start to know what your teammate is thinking that doesn't come in 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 six months that doesn't come in, in a year that comes over a long period of time so can the Bucs win it? Yes, they are what should be one of those five teams. But when you have all of this roster change, especially on top teams, I'll include the Lakers in that. I think Denver is pretty much solid. That's why they're my early pick to repeat. If Denver, you look at the changes in Boston, no Marcus smart, but you added Drew, and now you got Porzingis. Brzingis has never made a playoff run. Brzingis has to go all 82 and then go another, you know, 20 to get to the championship. So when I look at this, there's a handful of teams that have a ton of new changeovers. And it's just a matter of like, who can clean this up and get to their continuity factor.
0: I teased a moment ago, your rapid rise uh, and ascension in this business. And it's been great to watch whether it's hosting the podcast Hosting NBA today, which you've done, and then also obviously being a regular panelist uh, as a basketball expert on that show or get up or first take, calling games for either ESPN or the Nets. What do you enjoy most?
1: Well, that, that's tough, man. I, I think, one, let me give a shout out to you, Dave. Uh, you have, look, if, if you can sit down with Bill Walton as much as you have, you can sit down with any analyst but i I, i've learned so much from you um and for people listening to this like you a lot of analysts don't get their flowers or their play-by-play don't get their flowers but all the players that retire and get into this industry you know this there's not a lot of teaching that goes on at let's say the networks it's a little bit of a sink or swim it's a little bit of a how hard are you going to work But as an analyst, we depend on guys like you. And you're like, hey, that was a good job, or hey, do more of that. So I've learned so much from sitting next to you. So I am a product of sitting next to guys like you and Ian Eagle, Ryan Rucco, Breen. I am a product of that because when you guys see my passion and my love for the game and you guys bring me under your wing and you're like, Hey, this is good. Hey, when you do this, it's this the best way. Hey, good job going to break and reading. the All of those things. I think it really takes a community to, to get guys in this space. And we've seen it. We saw Jason Witten try and leave football and go right back to the booth. Not everybody has that smooth transition, so to have a, an individual like you that I can call a friend, an individual like you that you know will sit and you're like, hey, I'm about to do my picks, and I'm like, hey, let's sit and talk, let's sit and talk through your picks for MVP and this. I like, I'd love to. So I just owe so much to 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 you and a lot of your um, uh, a lot of your colleagues for helping guys like me get to where I am.
0: Well, you're very kind. I appreciate that. But you you're a willing participant. I mean, a lot of guys just think. You know they don't take it seriously. I've seen it where guys just jump in. They are doing it because they want to stay in the game, and uh, but they don't really care. You care, and you know JJ is the same way. Uh, I just worked with Bob Myers last week, former GM of the Warriors, first time doing a game. Although he did some color for UCLA twenty years ago on radio, but like Bob is asking all these questions about kind of mm-hmm. the mechanics and everything, and it's it's great. I mean. ESPN's did a good job identifying guys like yourself that that want to be good and care and want to improve and want to be coached. But you've been you've been coached coached your whole life. And look, you and I have done a lot of NBA games today uh, together. But I I think my favorite game I've done with you was the game that you, Bill Walton, and I did maybe <laughs> five years ago. UCLA Arizona. Obviously, you played mm-hmm. at Arizona. Luke Walton's one of your best friends. You play, and Bill played at UCLA. And you brought up Bill, so let's let's go there. Um, <laughs> first time you met Bill, what do you recall?
1: Okay, I'll give you two. So again, like I'm a basketball nerd, so I'm with Bill Walton's son. That's that's what his nickname was. And we're like Bill Walton's son Luke. Every article, like our, our senior year in high school and moving, you know, probably probably our freshman sophomore year in college, it was Bill Walton's son Luke. That's all how he was always introduced. And so, you know, I know who he is and I'm just like, dude, like Bill Walton's his dad. So the very first time um, where we have answering machines back in our dorm back in 98, yes, I'm dating myself and I get a phone call or or, or there's a message and he pushed the button and and it's Bill Walton. So I'm like freaking out. Luke's unpacking doesn't give a damn. And I'm like, oh, my God, Bill Walton is on my phone. And he's like, Luke, this is Bill Walton calling. Uh, Luke Olson called me and said that there were some forms that needed to be sent to our house. Can you send them to blank, 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 you know, the address, you know, blank, 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 blank. And he said that he goes, I repeat, the address is blank, 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 blank. And I go, and, and I'm a little confused so now. I'm like, Luke, like, did, did your family just move or something? Why? is <laughs> why, your dad leave the address at like an office? And he's like, he looked at me and put his head down and he goes, Richard. I, my parents are hippies uh, i was born in that downstairs bedroom of that house and anytime he calls he will leave the address twice and i'm like okay that's weird so this was my first introduction now fast forward about three months right we're sitting on the we're on a plane i think we're leaving la to go back to tucson and all of a sudden a stewardess walks up a Stewardess walks up and they're like hey your father is outside to luke and like the whole team is on the plane. Like, and with this one, we didn't fly commercial. We would, or, or we we flew. We didn't fly private. We flew commercial. So Luke looks at me. He's like, "Hey, you want to meet Bill?" And I'm like, "Damn right, I do." So me and him both get off the plane. So we're off the plane and we're talking to Bill. I get to meet Bill and and got to meet Lori. Lori's amazing. So I'm talking to Bill and I keep looking at the gate. I keep looking at the gate. Like, like, should we go? But the, the plane was about to take off and Bill was like. Richard, calm down. Do you see those two individuals? The plane is not leaving until we are done. And I'm sitting here like mind blown as an 18 year old kid. I'm like, wait, this dude can hold up a damn plane for I, I was so confused. And like for you know this. Bill lives lives in a realm and in a reality that is unlike anything that you can even really express to people. And so from that point on, it was just, you know, it's Bill's world, and and we're all just living in it, as you know.
0: And he got you guys in trouble with the NCAA.
1: Yes, he got me suspended because Bill being – like, he is – Bill's one of my mentors. He's such a good person, and I was living in Arizona. He's got three other sons outside of Luke, all within the same range and all played college basketball. So, you know, he reached out He's like, "Hey, Luke calls me. He's like, Bill wants you to come out and hang out." So I'm like, "Yeah, I'll I'll leave my Glendale, Arizona hot box that I'm living in and I'll fly out to San Diego and hang out with you guys and I'll I'll, I'll tell you that first trip, just spending time, and he got us a ticket to the to the NBA Finals because he was doing the game. That was my second NBA game I'd ever been to. NCAA finds out about it, and I get suspended, which is a little weird. I didn't understand how that works. But I'll say this. Bill took me to the airport on that trip, and he gave me this advice. And I remember when all of the boys were like, hey, Bill's taking me to the airport. I'm like, what does that mean? I'm still nervous of this dude. So he takes me, like, Richard. You know, I've been watching you, and I feel like you have a great opportunity to really change you and your family's life. But I want you to remember this: the worst thing that you can do for people that you love are things that they could and should do for themselves. Now, repeat it back to me. <laughs> <This is up laughs> to me at eighteen years old. At eighteen years old, and like, look, fast forward. I go into the NBA, and I do all this stuff, and I'm helping my family. I'm doing all this stuff, and then at about thirty. When the, you know there were some mistakes, and and all of a sudden you realize it's like, "Wait a second, now I understand what that man was trying to tell me." And it was because he had been through everything that I' had already been through. So the fact that he would just give this wisdom some sometimes uh, you know unannounced and unasked. Uh, it meant a lot to me, you know, and, and I think I, I've grown closer to him as I've understood more of his mentality in the space that he was coming from, really just trying to help young kids navigate what was coming. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I still stand by that. that That's a message now I give to people constantly, and it's because I heard it from him at 18. I didn't understand it, but at 30, I damn sure understood it. So I just try and embark that same message to, to young players when I talk to them
0: couple more and we'll let you go, Richard. Um, true or false, at uh, Luke's wedding, where I think you were the best man, Bill not only didn't wear a tux, but he wore a golf shirt with the NBA logo. Very similar to what Rob Lowe, you know, there's the Rob Lowe meme with him wearing the NFL hat with the NFL logo. Is that true that Bill wore just a golf shirt with the NBA logo on it to the wedding?
1: Well, okay, so let me let me really quickly break it down to your listeners dave is is such a master you know it's such a master broadcaster interviewer. he can do it all. You know damn well that's true, Dave you know <laughs> I know
0: I've seen the picture, is. I've seen the I picture. Know you've
1: seen the picture, but you're asking me if that's true, as if I couldn't interview you about ten stories with Bill, right? It's like Bill ran a hippie commune in San Diego, fast forward. You know, we're doing that game for people that don't know. I'm doing the game. Bill is there, and Dave is in between us. And Bill is talking about how Richard used to sleep on my couch. Then fast forward in that game, Sean Miller, Sean Miller, former Arizona coach, gets kicked out of the UCLA-Arizona game. So taking over for Sean Miller after he gets right is Jack Murphy. So Jack Murphy was a, a manager when me and Luke and Iggy and all of us were at Arizona. So now he's the the top assistant coach at Arizona under Sean. So in the middle of the game, Sean gets thrown out, and then Jack Murphy takes over, and Bill goes, Jack Murphy, I loved him, but he used to sleep on my couch also. And you're like, how many people used to sleep on this man's couch? I can list a lot. J.B. Bickerstaff, you know, the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I met J.B. when we were 21 years old, and so we would all hang out together. So it was just – he he was such a oh, uh, unique individual so the fact that you have worked with that man for years and you're asking me questions about how unique he is I think you need to tell some more stories
0: I know but this is this is a podcast where we we interview superstar celebrities like yourself oh, um, and and so yes I could sit here for hours and tell Bill stories but I, I actually don't think you told this to me um, I know the story our, our fans probably uh, listeners don't know the story at all but okay so you're in the nba you're making 10 plus million a year you're living at bill's house (laughs) sleeping you're living at bill walton's house and how did you and you got kicked out
1: who kicked you out and, and why okay so okay yes i was making a good amount of money i was very very fortunate but this is what it was at 17 years old we would like it's We would go out and stay at Bill's house. Bill has a huge house. You've been there. There's the boy's side and there's Bill's side. Well, the boy's side has the pool, the hot tub, so we could have all the fun that we wanted. And Bill would never see it as long as we were up and and, and out of there by 5 a.m., 6 a.m. when he would take his morning naked hot tub.
0: (laughs) Wait, hold on, hold on. And that is, first of all, the side of the house that has like multiple huts and outdoor showers and the pool where Bill would take. The naked bath in the morning, right? That's the yeah, boys' yeah. side, okay?
1: Yeah, yeah, that that that's the boy side over there. So our goal was to be out out of the party zone by four or five in the morning again. We don't need to get into details of that, but I will say this: it was that. So after I got drafted, it was still Luke was still in college, so it was like, hey, we go stay at Bill's. There's beds all. There's beds in the living room. There's beds in the garden. There's beds spread out. There's the teepee, life-size teepee with a bed. So it was just like, dude, what am I going to pay for? I'm just going to sleep here on the bed and we hang out, we work out, we, you know, kick it. So for, it was like, th- then we got older and then all of a sudden we weren't 18 and 19 year old kids. Now we're 23 year old kids and Luke is in the NBA and I'm in the NBA, but now we have more disposable money. look, So we're just doing, we're doing too much, if you will. And basically using his house as like our fun party pad during the summer. So Bill Bill brings me and Rich or me and Luke into his office and are like, Richard, you guys are destroying my home. What is going on? Richard, why don't you go to your parents' house and ruin it? And like me and Luke, like he literally chastises me like I'm his son. And I and I respect him and love him for it. So we got kicked out of his house. And after we got kicked out of his house enough times, because it wasn't one time. One time Bill saw us at like 6 in the morning, uh, about to go to bed, and me and Luke just got in his car and just drove straight to L.A. We're like, we don't want to see Bill at noon and and him harassing us, yelling at us. So it was more of after we did that, Luke and I bought a home in Rancho Santa Fe, and then that's where we started hanging out with our friends, and we would train with different guys that would come down. But, yes, I've been kicked out of that home multiple times.
0: He blamed it on Lori, his wife, Bill did. He says it's Lori's. It was Lori's call. Just so you
1: Lori, know. L- Lori is entitled to all of that, and Lori was 100% right <laughs> to kick us out of our. 100, I'm surprised that we lasted as long as we did. That shows you how graceful and loving they both uh, are.
0: Lori's amazing. Bill always says, She's still here, you know, as if uh, like huh. she's going to leave. Um, but yeah. what would he do without her? Um, yes. All right, last one, and th- somewhat serious. So I'm, I'm just curious. Th- there are some Cardinal players who, who do actually listen to this podcast, Uh, Buda Baker uh, listens to the pod, Um, multiple Pro Bowls. So you've got some Cardinal players and, you know, members of the organization that listen to this podcast. So I'm curious Mm -hmm. as somebody who has accomplished a lot in life, who has won an NBA championship, who has been with the Spurs, who were and still are one of the great organizations in pro sports. Um, You've been to the finals with the Nets. You've seen, organizations that are run really, really well. You play for Lute Olson in Arizona, won a lot of games. What would be your advice as the Cardinals are resetting first-year general manager, Monty Austin Fort, first-year head coach, Jonathan Gannon, trying to lay a foundation, build a culture to take the next step to winning a championship? Because in the NFL, it's not like the NBA. In the NFL, in a year, you can turn it around and be a Super Bowl contender. We've seen it many times. What would be your advice to the Cardinals organization, to Cardinal players, as we're kind of sitting here struggling through year one of this transition, one and six, to stay positive and focus on the big picture?
1: Uh, well, I can't speak like necessarily from an organi- organizational standpoint because I think that takes a lot of infrastructure and it takes a lot of time and thought, but I can talk about it from a player standpoint, and this is my message to the players. I think the greatest mistakes that I ever made in my career were allowing my situation to dictate my mentality. And once I I heard this and it always sticks by me, again, one of these things that just sticks in my head, it's not your situation that dictates your success. It's how you handle your situation that will dictate your success. And so it's like, Oh, you know, when I first got drafted, I was in New Jersey and they had never won anything. They had never accomplished anything. So we all show up there and Jason, led by Jason Kidd and Kenyon Martin and Carrie Kittles, we turn it around. And it was just like Jason Kidd had a mentality that like, hey, oh no, this team can be good. We can be good. So I think some of it has to do with your mentality. And I would tell every player, When I made mistakes in my career, it's because the team was bad or I wasn't playing well and then I got sad and depressed and I put too much value in me as an individual athlete and I put so much self-worth in that. And then I, you know, whether you're not working out as much as you're supposed to because you're on a bad team and then all of a sudden you have an injury and you're not rehabbing, it just becomes this snowball effect the sooner you can become impervious to the things around you and all you're doing is focusing on success brick by brick. Now you add two people doing that. You add 10 people doing that. You add 20 people doing it. Now those bricks start to build and start to add up versus, you know, but it has to start with you individually and saying, it's like, it doesn't matter. I need to train like it, like we're 12 and O. I need to train like we're O and 12. There should be no difference. And that's the trick as a professional athlete. Train like you're getting ready for the Super Bowl every single week. Because one thing that they say in San Antonio, and I'll leave you with this, is that they don't raise their level in the postseason. They don't raise their level. I would, I imagine Belichick is probably his level doesn't become more intense in this in the postseason. Their level is that intense in the preseason, in the regular season, in the first round. Their in their level of intensity is like that all the time. It's the people that want to raise and then okay, this is fine and then raise. That's why Pop always calls those thirty second timeouts into a game because he wants to fire up his guys and get them more intense. It's like I don't care who we're playing. You miss that rotation. It's the first play of the game or you guy's going to wake up. And it was just, so when you get to the postseason, Pop is talking to you the same way in the postseason in game seven, as he's talking to you in, in game three of the preseason. He's talking the exact same way and expects that exact same standard. So once the standard is the standard and there's no negotiating with that, then it becomes the player and how do I handle that? So I'm big on focusing in on how do I handle my situation versus allowing my situation to dictate my success.
0: No, it's great stuff, man. And for a lot of young players, that's the kind of thing they need to hear from somebody like yourself that played almost two decades, won a championship, Accomplished a ton and are uh, accomplishing a ton in, in a different walk of life. Uh, you're a star in this business, buddy, and I love you and I appreciate you, man. I look forward to seeing. I know we have a game together, Warrior Sons, in Phoenix here in a few weeks. So look forward yeah. to seeing you then, pal. All
1: right, can't wait, man. I appreciate you, Dave.
0: All right, Richard, thanks, buddy. Love what Richard had to say in terms of his advice for the Cardinals because the way Richard approach things as an NBA player, whether it was with the Nets, with the Spurs, and certainly with Cleveland and LeBron James, because that's the way LeBron James approaches everything. Meaning every practice, every rep, every game is a big deal to be taken seriously and an opportunity to improve, regardless of the record, regardless of the circumstances surrounding the individual. I think it's terrific advice that is something I know Monty Fort and Jonathan Gannon are trying to instill in this team as well. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. You can follow us on Twitter, at PashPod, and we'd also love to hear from you. You can rate us, review us, tell us what you think. If you have any guests in mind you'd like to hear from, you can tell us that as well by going to your favorite podcast platform. Our thanks to ESPN's Richard Jefferson. Thanks to you for listening to another edition of the Dave Pass Podcast.